Father, uh, we need your, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and do a strong work in our life, Lord. I pray again, Lord, as we were praying at the 9.30 a.m. prayer this morning, Lord, how all of us need to repent and take seriously family, marriage, being a man, being a woman. Lord, how much damage, how much carnage in the streets because the definition of family has been, has been dismantled by, by, by fools, meaning us, foolish people, thinking we know better than you. I, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would, by your Spirit, speak to us, speak to our hearts, build us up, encourage us. Lord, our, our, we open our hearts, Lord. Take your scalpel and do surgery. We need surgery in this area, Lord. There's so much heartache. There's so much torment. There's so much loneliness on the street, Lord. As a result of families, the be broken down because we have redefined what a family is, what a, what a marriage is, Lord. I, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, build us up, strengthen us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. So Jesus always teaching as Christians, we always need to be learning and learning from him. I encourage you to be in the word of God every day. It says at the end of verse 1, the multitudes gathered to Jesus, and as was his custom, this is what he did, he taught them again. Verse 2, it says, the Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? testing him or trying to trap him. Now, what was going on here, these Pharisees didn't like that there was crowds gathering to Jesus. They were already at this time plotting, trying to figure out a way to destroy him. And so they ask him this question, is it lawful? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, how could that be trapping him? How could that be trapping him? They trapped him with these questions because in their own mind, they thought they could come up with a question that no matter how he answered, somehow he would get into trouble. Now, you guys remember Herod, right? King Herod. Uh, we've already read about Herod. Herod was the guy who married his brother's wife. So somehow there was a divorce that happened of his brother and he took his brother's wife for his own. Now what's going to happen if Jesus Christ says, no, you're not supposed to divorce? What's going to happen? Well, he's going to get in trouble with Herod. We will read in the book of Luke after this that people came to Jesus and said, Herod's trying to kill you, Jesus. It could be because of what happens next. 
<laughs> it could be because of Jesus' response here. Because if there's a bold response, this is it to this question. If Jesus says, uh, well, yeah, divorce is allowed and, 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 and gets really lax about it as they were at this time, uh, then it could be uh, a big uh, problem just because the stricter religious people would come and condemn him for watering down the law. Now, um, it is important that uh, these verses here in Mark about marriage and divorce be read alongside of the verses in Matthew. In Matthew, if we could have uh, Caio 19.3, Matthew 19.3, in the parallel account of Matthew. Remember Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Many of the stories are the same, but different witnesses uh, writing down what was said. The Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And so that was what was going on in many quarters. Uh, uh, Men were divorcing their wives for any reason. Meaning, If he didn't like the way she looked, he could divorce her. If she uh, didn't, if he didn't like her cooking, he would divorce her. If uh, there were, uh, you know, if if he felt she was lazy, uh, she, uh, he could, he just would divorce her. This was happening at this time. This was happening at this time. And the controlling law in the Old Testament, if we could have uh, Deuteronomy 24.1, Caillou. The controlling law in the Old Testament uh, at the time for the Jews was this. When a man has found some uncleanness in his wife, he may write her a certificate of divorce. When a man has found some uncleanness in his wife, he may write her a certificate of divorce. So this was, uh, this was the law that they would have been aware of. So Jesus, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, clarifies this law for them. And he says in, in, in Matthew Uh, 532, this is the Sermon of the Mount, he says, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And so if you can turn back to uh, Deuteronomy uh, 24.1, so what Jesus was, Jesus was interpreting um, this law, and when Jesus interprets the law, he's right. (laughs) There's no more arguments, he's right. When a man has found some uncleanness. So at the time, men were taking advantage of what uh, that word uncleanness meant. And as uh, men and, and women, as we do fallen creatures, man, if there's a way we can get away with anything and, and, and twist around the law to our own advantage, um, we'll do it. And so that's what they were doing. Well, uncleanness, that means anything that I just don't like about her. And they were giving her, they were divorcing her. They were giving her a certificate um, of divorce. But again, in Matthew, uh, Jesus 
uh, in 532, Matthew 532, Jesus clarifies things and he says, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, that's Deuteronomy 24, verse one, except for uncleanness. Some act of sexual immorality, of unfaithfulness in the marriage, he causes her to commit adultery, is what he is saying there. And so um, what's really clear about Jesus, and it's important for you to understand, is that in Matthew 5, 17, uh, it says this. Jesus says, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So he, uh, he, he didn't come to do away with the law. He honored the law. And he also, it says that he fulfilled the law. But these are some pretty strong words that he gives uh, when he says, uh, it says, and go skip down to verse 10 of Mark um, chapter 10. He says, in the house, his disciples also asked him again um, about this same matter. And it says, he said to them in verse 10, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a, a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Wow. Now in the, in the book of Matthew, you have this question that the disciples ask Jesus. Um, they, they actually come to him after hearing these things and, and they say, if that's the case, it's better for someone never to get married. You know, when, when they're hearing this, um, they're, they're, they're like in shock. Now, it's really important that you understand. This is so important that you understand that Jesus is not establishing divorce as some new special category of sin and divorced people are secondhand citizens as, as has been so tragically taught over the last hundred years in churches and in the body of Christ. That, the, the, the reason that has happened in the body of Christ is People misinterpreting these verses. For example, some say in the book of Matthew here, it, it says, well, he doesn't give any exception where someone can divorce. He just says, um, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery uh, against her. There's not that, in the parallel account in Matthew, it says divorce is um, allowed for fornication, meaning sexual immorality, meaning sexual unfaithfulness in the marriage. He doesn't include that here in Mark. And so there are some who say divorce is never permitted. But Jesus did not come to make up new laws. John chapter 1, verse 17, if you're taking notes, write this verse down because every word in the New Testament should be interpreted in light of John 1, 17. It says, John 1, 17 says this, Moses came to give, give us the law. Jesus came to give grace and truth. We don't make new laws out of, old, uh, out of New Testament verses. So we can't go to the book of Mark and... and uh, and, and say, oh, well, well, look, he doesn't give any 
any justification um, for divorce here. He appears to be saying you can never get divorced and therefore divorce is always prohibited. You've just made a new law in contravention of John chapter one, verse 17. And Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law. And Deuteronomy 24, one says there is a um, reason for divorce. There's a justification um, for divorce and it's Sexual immorality, it's unfaithfulness in the marriage is what it is. Now, it's important uh, to understand that you never see Jesus uh, saying anything to the effect, if there is sexual immorality, there should be a divorce. Never says that. Any, when people come to me from time to time who, are, uh, who uh, their spouse has committed uh, uh, fornication or, or adultery in the marriage, they've been cheated on, is the word that we use. I never, ever say, well, then you should get divorced, ever. Because in my experience, God is, um, uh, often wants to do a great work and create a great testimony and if you only knew the testimonies I've seen over the years of, of, of men who have been cheated on or women who have been cheated on, but who stick with the marriage and how God is glorified in that marriage in the same way that, that um, you and I have cheated against God and he didn't divorce us. Amen. Now that having been said, the scripture is clear and there are times um, where I do believe that God uh, permits a man or a woman to get a divorce because he says it. He does say, what does he say um, in, uh, what does he say in verse five? He does say this. He, verse four says, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce. They're, they're quoting Deuteronomy. They're leaving out a portion of it saying it's only in one circumstance. It's, um, it's uh, for unfaithfulness. But Jesus says, uh, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote to you this pre precept, but from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and join, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not mine se separate. That was, the, the, that was what God created in the beginning. In Matthew, I, think it, I, I believe it says, and I think it's more clear, he, he just tells them, in the beginning it was not so. There was no divorce is what he is saying. But it's very important to understand what's going on here. Jesus is not establishing divorce as some new special category of sin. Divorcees are like secondhand citizens. Listen, divorce is like any other sin. When a man or woman trusts in Christ, their sins are taken away from them as far as east is from the west. That's what happens, including with divorce. It's as just as if they never sinned. God justifies. When, when a man or woman gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ by faith and say, yes, I believe you. I believe there's nothing I can do to be saved, Lord. I believe I deserve hell. I believe I, um, I deserve your judgment and, and, and your wrath. 
but I believe what your son did on the cross for me, he, he suffered wrath in my place, and they give their heart to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that not only does God forgive them, he imputes his righteousness, meaning he gives the righteousness of Jesus Christ to them. And the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ invades their life and dwells in them from that time for all eternity. And whatever sin, homosexuality, divorce, whatever, five divorces, stealing, robbing, killing, whatever it is, it's just as if you've never sinned because God is looking at you once you are in Christ and he sees his son. Perfection. More on that in a little while. So Jesus is not creating a, a special category of sin. But this is, this is um, what he is doing here. He's creating a picture here in order to communicate to his people how much he hates divorce. Now, you can't create an uglier picture than verse 11. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, that is one ugly picture. And by the way, in 1969 in the United States of America, we did the same thing in our country. You used to, uh, you used to in order to uh, be able to get a divorce, there had to be fault, meaning adultery or some act of violence. But in 1969, what happened was we thought we knew better than God in the United States of America. It's a habitual sin here in America. And states started passing no-fault divorce. So no fault at all. No fault at all. Any reason at all. I'm unhappy, and so I want a divorce. And that became legal. Divorce exploded. And now we're paying the price today because we know so much better than God. We're so much smarter than God. So, so we did the very same thing as the Pharisees did here. And what God is saying, look, look, I hate what you're doing so much. It's as if you have an entire country where everyone who's divorcing his wife in this way and marries another is committing adultery against her. And if a, a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. It's this, he's painting an incredibly ugly picture in order to communicate how much he hates divorce. The state of things where people are twisting the law, getting a divorce for any reason. God hated this. He hates divorce. Jesus is creating a picture here, a word picture, to really get the point across that God hates divorce. Now, is there a, a verse in the Bible that backs this up? This is what clarity is. Malachi, chapter 2, verse 16. God hates divorce. That's what the Bible says. Again, God hates many other sin that we commit too. We could as just we, we can also be talking about cursing your parents. We can talking, you know, he, he hates 
uh, uh, many sins, and these are listed out in the, Old Te- in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He hates lying. He hates cheating. But he hates divorce. He hates divorce. Malachi chapter 2.11, this is, this is a, a verse that I quote all the time when there's marriage counseling. And I do a lot of marriage counseling over the years. Marriage is the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. You, you, you will not find a similar verse to this in the whole Bible. This, this verse stands out. It's very unique and highly unusual. Marriage is the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. So I want to talk about why does God love the institution of marriage? Why does God, why does Jesus hate divorce? The reason is this, if you're taking notes. Because God created, and we read in Mark 10 already, we're going to read it again. He created marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Man did not make up marriage. He's going, you know, this is a good idea. I see that this person, I'm really attracted, this woman, this opposite sex, I'm going to get together with her and just commit and we'll spend the rest of our life together. It was not man's idea. It was God's idea. God created marriage to be, Calvary Chapel, a picture to all creation. of what his relationship with you looks like. That's why he hates divorce. God created marriage to be a picture to all of creation of the spectacular beauty of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you. That's why he hates divorce. God created marriage to be a picture to all of creation of the relationship of Jesus Christ to the church, to this church here and to the church at large. Pastor Steve, where do you get all this? Oh man, is this loaded up in the Bible. God just loaded this. Let's start. I hope you're ready because I got a lot of verses for you today. Isaiah 54, 5 and 6. Your maker is your husband. That's speaking to you. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. Anyone relate to that here? God called you? I know you're men, a lot of men out here, but you, like me, many of us were forsaken and grieved in our spirit when he called. Like a youthful wife, when you were refused, God came and said, you're mine. In the Bible, we're the bride, we're the wife, Jesus Christ is the groom, always. This verse is so good, I'm going to read it again. For your maker is your husband. 
The Lord of hosts is his name. The worship team sang that song, God is the God of war, he's the God of armies. The Lord of hosts. That, that, this means the Lord of hosts is the Lord of armies. That's what that means. The Lord of armies is your husband. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. Next verse, Hosea 2, verse 19 and 20. I will make you, this is God speaking to you, I will make you my wife forever showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, quoting the same verses that we read that Jesus recited from, Deuteronomy, from Genesis chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when a, the, the man represents Jesus Christ here, the church represents the woman, the wife, and the two will become one flesh. Why does God hate divorce? Because when divorce happens, that picture, that wonderful picture of Jesus Christ loves, loves how much he loves you, it's just been butchered. So he doesn't like it. Again, it's not a special category of sin. We have divorced people right here in this room. God hates sin. Lying, cheating, stealing, murder. We're talking about divorce, though, today. And marriage. We're talking about marriage. Okay, Steve, in, 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 in what other ways... Is marriage between a man and a woman a picture to all of creation, to the world, of the spectacular beauty of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you and me? Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What did Jesus Christ do? He died for you. He became a bloody mess on the cross for you. That's what he did. What a picture of love. Marriage is a picture of the spectacular love that God has for you. He being the husband, you being the wife or the bride. Now here's this, I'm going to go deeper now. 1 John 4.10. In this is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for God's wrath, meaning propitiation, the satisfaction for God's anger. And God gets angry at sin. Apart from Christ, he's very angry with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he's very angry with you at this moment. His wrath, the Bible says, Jesus says, is hanging over you, ready to judge you. Christ can snatch you out of that judgment and save you. But Jesus, and he can save you because he himself took God's wrath for you so that you wouldn't have to suffer God's wrath for all eternity in hell. In this is love, 1 John 4.10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for God's wrath for our sins. Now, what does this have to do with marriage? Because Jesus Christ is the husband, you, the bride, the wife. And, and, and a husband, a, a, a husband in, in think, think, think Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the wrath of God. The fire, the wrath coming down um, from, from heaven. And while, husbands, you'll never going to have to suffer even a tiny bit of what the wrath that Jesus suffered on the cross, what is true is that the circumstances of life is really overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, you get married, you start having kids and this type of thing, and, and, and the circumstances of life, just, just, there's just the sin and the brokenness in the world, they can just be so overwhelming. They can bear, go, husbands, they can bear down on you, but as you plead for the help of the Holy Spirit, for the help of God, to bear up under the weight of life, under the, on behalf of the home, on behalf of your wife, you are being a picture of the love that Christ had for the church by taking on the wrath of God. What an incredible picture of love. Isaiah 53 verse five says this, he, Jesus Christ, was pierced for our transgressions, meaning our violations of the law against God. Jesus was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are heal, healed. Husbands, we are commanded every single day to die to ourselves, even as Jesus died to the church, for the church rather. We are commanded to die to ourselves. Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul says this. He says, we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that his life would be revealed in our mortal body. Let me tell you, marriage gets really hard. Ooh. There are seasons where it is hard. And either men, you're either going to lead and demand that she's the first one to forgive and humble herself or you're going to be a man like Jesus Christ. And you're going to humble yourself and, and forgive her and lead her. You have a choice. But you see why Jesus, you see why God hates divorce? Because it's a picture of the love that God has 
that Jesus Christ has for you, that, that he has used uh, throughout the Bible. It humbles and shames us mightily and softens our hearts, by the way. So I just want to, actually, just want to hit the pause button. Just, let, let's, let's, let's look at 1 John 4.10 4, again. So this is everyone, men and women. Let's look at this. In this is love. You want to know what love is? John says this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction for God's wrath. The satisfaction for his anger. Satisfaction for his punishment for our sins. Now, the more gentlemen and ladies, men and women, husbands and wives, single people who are here today, the more that you chew on this, the more that you reflect on those iron stakes that ripped through Jesus Christ's hands, his feet, the thorns that plunged into his head, the spear that was plunged into his side, the bo- the, his back ripped open by a Roman scourging, a Roman whip, a Roman flagellum, three or four leather cords filled with glass and metal. It was whipped before he even got to the cross. The cross says, the Bible says in Isaiah 52, he was unrecognizable by the time he got there. The more husband, wives, singles, you reflect on Jesus doing that for you for you. Again, think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think of that fire coming down and destroying those two cities because of the evil in those cities. That's what happened times a million with Jesus on the cross with God pouring out his wrath. He was taking every sin that you've ever done, every sin that has ever happened in the history of the world. The more you chew on this, the more that you reflect on it, the more that you will love God and husbands, the more that you love God in this way, understanding the cross, the more that love will spill out to your wife. Ladies, the, the wives, the more that you really reflect on the... Why do we talk about the cross so much? Why is a third of each of the Gospels about the cross? <laughs> it's because the more that you reflect on it, the more that, you, the more that you realize the depth and gravity of your own sin, that the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, that he had to go through that for you, ladies, the more that you reflect on that, the more you love God, the more your heart will soften, and it will spill out towards your husband. Singles, the more singles, you're not married yet, that you reflect upon what happened on the cross. Fire and brimstone coming down on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? 
Because, he, he, because the Bible says that God turned his face away from him and he was suffering on the cross. Singles, the more that you really get it, how much God loves you and how little you deserve anything in this life, any kind of blessing, the more you'll love God and prepare yourself for that man who may be your husband someday or that woman who may be your wife someday. And you may even be, as Jesus says, for those who have an ear to hear, be a single who is a eunuch for God, which is a glorious life. My brother, 57 years old, He's been single his whole life. He'll be single for the, until he dies, serving the Lord. He does in one day what I can't do in three weeks. But that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> Marriage is the default. God said um, it's not good for man to be alone. So uh, marriage is, is the typical, but it's not always the case. So um, back to... Back to this picture. How else, Steve, is marriage between a man or a woman a picture of, to all creation of the spectacular beauty of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you? Let's have Ephesians chapter 5, 22. Ephesians chapter 5, 22, do we have that? Says... Ephesians chapter 5.22, some of you may have it by memory. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Oh, the great beauty, the great beauty of a woman who has recognized that she has been set free by Jesus Christ Jesus says in John 8, uh, 36, whoever the Son of Man uh, sets free is free indeed. And, and when, when she freely submits to Jesus Christ and to his will for her life, and she's doing the same thing in her marriage, the Bible says even the, even the husbands, 1 Peter 3, that don't obey the word, submit, love him with the gentle and quiet spirit, and you will be a picture of the beauty of that relationship between Jesus Christ and, and the church, notwithstanding your husband, may not fit that picture. But really, this goes for women or men. The great beauty, when we recognize, in, uh, as Jesus says, whoever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed, and, and we just submit. We submit to Jesus Christ and to his will, not to what we want, but to what he, uh, but what he wants for our life and to the word of God. Oh, the, oh, the beauty that happens there. How else is a marriage between a man or woman a picture to all of creation of the spectacular beauty of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you? So we'll close with this one. Ephesians chapter one. Do we have that, Caillou? It says, in him, this is Ephesians 1, 7, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
And then Ephesians 1, 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, please brand this on your soul. This, look at the last part there of this verse. Once you are in Christ, God looks at you. We've already discussed this today. And he sees someone who is holy and without blame before him in love. This is a picture of Jesus Christ and his relationship with you. This is what he sees now after you have given your life to him. He sees a chaste virgin. That's what he, you, you may feel like, like dung, like muck, like dirt. Jesus Christ sees you as a chaste version. You say, quote me a verse, Pastor Steve, and I say, I would love to. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 says this, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you, married you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Are you picking up why God hates divorce? Are you, do you realize now why he paints this really ugly picture in, in, in Mark chapter 10? This, uh, it, it, divorcing is like whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. He's painting this really, really ugly picture because this is what's being defiled when a divorce happens. This picture, a chaste virgin of Christ. So whatever record of sin you may have, however gory it is, however many murders, how many divorces, how, how, how many people you cheated, when you are in Christ, it says because you've been, when you ask Jesus Christ in your, in your life, he really comes in. And when he comes in, you are as a chaste virgin, though your sins are as red as scarlet, he's made them white as snow. This is why the gospel is called good news. I can't imagine any better news than this. Before the creator of the, uh, of the universe, we're as chaste virgins in spite of all our sin, past, present, and future. Look at the, the, the final verse I'm gonna quote here. Maybe not. Let's go back to Genesis chapter two when, uh, when God created this whole thing called marriage. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That's what Jesus quotes in Mark chapter 10 when they say, is it okay to divorce? He said, why are you, why are you talking about this? Let's talk about, let's talk about what God created in the beginning. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. That's a really important phrase. They were naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. What can be a more beautiful picture that in spite of our record of sin, so in the context of marriage, it looks like this. Husbands, 
doesn't matter what your wife did before you met her. Does she, as you love her like Christ loves the church as a chaste virgin, and she's not ashamed anymore. And you don't try to, to, to put up anything that she's done in her past and have her smell it in her face. There's no more shame. They are, they're, they're both naked, and there's the same thing, wives, to your husbands. Whatever he's done before or during the marriage. You look at him like Christ looks at you unashamed because you are as a chaste virgin in Christ. Now that is, that's a, this is a beautiful picture. And this is why Jesus paints this really ugly picture in Mark chapter 10 just to underscore how much, how much God hates divorce. Does any wonder in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3? This really is the last verse. The Pharise- so is it any wonder when the Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and saying, is it lawful for a man uh, to divorce his rights for just any reason? Is it any wonder that he comes back and he just, wow. He's a god of, god of armies, isn't he? He's a god of war, isn't he? He wins this battle. He just blows them away. I want to call the worship team up at this time. If you've been called to pray... If you've been asked to pray, if you could please come up as well. I want to emphasize again that Jesus is is not establishing divorce as some new special category of sin. When you trust in Jesus Christ as your everlasting Lord and Savior, divorce is taken away from you as far as the east is from the west. And you are left, as we read in Ephesians 1, 4, holy and blameless before Jesus in love and as a chaste version of Christ. The Calvary Chapel, you need to fight for your marriages. You know, I get into, um, I get into marriage counseling When a man or woman comes to me for marriage counseling, they're usually in a lot of trouble. And I tell you, I take out the boxing gloves. I fight for that marriage. Not being happy or being miserable was not mentioned by Jesus as a justification for divorce. Do you believe in the God that parted the Red Sea? Do you believe in the God that fire came from um, heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you believe in the God that he parted the River Jordan? Do you believe in in the God, uh, Jesus Christ, who uh, uh, raised uh, the girl from the dead? Do you believe in the God that raised his son from the dead? God can put happiness back in your marriage.
if he can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, he can put happiness back in your marriage. I have seen the Lord restore marriages that 300, 400, 500 psychiatrists or psychologists in the world would be pleading with them to break up because there's no way it'll, it'll ever work. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God can restore. It takes prayer. It takes being in the Word. It takes being in the body of Christ. And it takes believing in the Word of God. And it doesn't always happen overnight. I want to, if you can rise right now just for the closing worship song. I just want an opportunity um, for anyone who would like prayer for their marriage or prayer for someone else's marriage. We can come up here and you can pray and intercede. You want to worship together? What an amazing God we have picture of Jesus Christ love for you your maker is your husband the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit like a youthful wife when she was refused and he called you and he loved you and he gathered you into his arms so if you like prayer for your marriage or you like prayer for someone else's marriage or anything that's stirred in your heart that you would like to pray today if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ come up and talk with me it involves a prayer of faith the Bible says that Jesus Christ knocks on the door of your heart it says in Revelation 3.20, if you open up the door of your heart, he will come in and he will dine with you. He will eat with you. He will have a relationship with you. If you've never done that, I'd like you to come up so we can settle the business of your own salvation before the Lord. You don't want to have to meet God on Judgment Day not having ask Jesus Christ in your life. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. It's always so refining, Lord. It just burns away. That stuff in us, that gunk messes up that reflection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want, when you look at us, we want you to see a reflection of your Son. We need you and we thank you. You've done that today, Lord. Thank you for loving us.